got this guy who should know who tells me to buy a Hewlett Packard, but I've been burned on tips. Ah, uh, Hewlett, well, let's see it. Closed at 41 and a quarter, up an eighth. Very attractive. About uh, average yield. Uh, very attractive. Mm. Rising profits. Ooh. Strong balance sheet. You're hot on this stock. Uh, it's ready to take off. I'd jump all over it if I were you. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the weirdness. Why are we wearing bras on our heads? The history. Live Aid. We're coming together. And the simple pleasures. All I need is some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Ah, the sultry sounds of the chairman, Frank Sinatra. Hey, this is Stuck in the 80s. This is your host, Steve Spears from TampaBay.com. And if we're talking Frank Sinatra and Fly Me to the Moon, it must be time to discuss Wall Street, the movie. I'm joined here with my co-host, Kathy Wass. Hello, everyone. And... uh Green Giant over there. <laughs> Sean Daly, pop music critic. Green. I know. Yeah, Jolly yeah. Green Giant to you. Wall Street. Wall Street. I love it. Steve Spears, for lack of a better word, is fat. fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Chet. Fat come is on, good. let's do Chet, it. Chet, come on. Fat is right. Fat it is, is right. We should have a way off works. one time. We should get a scale in here. <laughs> oh, Steve sure. and I will just weigh um, it off. Just so everyone knows, I'm sure I weigh more than Sean. From the waist down, I imagine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, Wall Street. I watched it last night. I stayed mm-hmm. up late. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I've always been poor, really poor. And uh, it made so you me want to be rich. Yeah. No. Well, that was kind of the, the thing. Obviously, Oliver Stone has a big moral on this, you know, that. You know, it's not good to be greedy, but I think he didn't realize that so many people would want to be Gordon Gecko at the end of this or, movie. You know, yeah. or Bud Fox. To or an but, yeah. yeah. But I think that also, uh, it's funny you said, because I think despite Oliver Stone's moral morals, I, I think that he, um, he also kind of romanticized it, you know? Oh, totally, yeah. Well, I think he was kind of digging that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, well his dad was a... Was a, a stockbroker yeah. on Wall Street for oh, 35 and had, years. Yeah, and had died, like, right before the right. filming he d- of Right, he died during the making of Salvador. Yeah, Salvador. But uh, the Hal Holbrook character, Lou Mannheim, is based on his dad. On his dad. Oh, no who kidding. is named Lou. Lou, yeah. And to some extent... Who is, but, like, one of the... Long, nicer characters, right. or the ones that kind of sum up for the people who haven't seen Wall Street. Why don't you give a quick um, sixteen-word synopsis of the movie? <laughs> 16 uh sixteen words. words. Boy, that's the, that's tough. Uh, young Charlie Sheen, Bud Fo- as Bud Fox, as Bud yeah. Fox works at a, a junk bond. Why don't you sum it up in sixteen? No, words. go ahead. I'll help you out. Come and on. Uh, basically, you know, trying hard to make ends meet, ends up uh, hooking up with Gordon Gecko. Played Through by persistence, him. Bud Fox, uh, yes. what he calls every day to talk 59 to Gordon Gecko. 59 days straight. 59 days straight. God, you're good. And then uh, they, they he breaks every ethical rule he ever had and, uh, yeah. you know, ends badly. 
It ends badly, but there is. Well, there's sort of an open. Oh, did you hear? There's talk of a Wall Street sequel. Oh, really? Which well, I God. don't really like. I mean, I think you can kind of just you know leave it to your own imagination because you know, the ending is kind of open ended. The Forever Fiance. This I watched her copy of the movie. She has a DVD, and I think the Forever Fiance loves this movie because she always dreamed of marrying a rich man and to have all these luxury oh. items. And yet she was stuck with me. Stuck with yeah. you. You know? Oh. But Oliver Stone, yeah, it very much is this kind of uh, rich man's porno, Wall yeah. Street. Oh, uh, Kathy and I were talking about a scene, Steve, maybe you remember the scene where um, uh, Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas, is walking on the beach at sunrise. At sunrise. And he calls up Bud Fox, who is in his bedroom, and Bud Fox has his uh, shirt off. Yes. He picks up the phone, and, and Michael Douglas has this line where he says, I'm going to make you rich, Bud And and Kathy, tell everybody what Charlie Sheen does. He pretty much has an orgasm. <laughs> and Charlie you Sheen, we're like, is Char- he masturbating? Charlie Sheen tilts his head back and goes, <sighs> and I'm like, I, I never, I'm like, what? I'm like, I. That is bizarre. I, I never saw. I never really read that into it. Oh no! Oh, it's obvious. It is, is obvious. It? It's we obvious. both picked up on it. Usually, oh, if yeah. there's an orgasm in a scene, I'm usually not one to not well, catch it. Well, see, the thing <laughs> is, too, is that Oliver Stone purposely made like sex like a like oh, it's not obvious. a focal point. It's all about money, and the sex but scenes money. are kind of throwaway in it. But it's funny that the only orgasm you see Charlie have in the whole movie. I mean. Bud is is yeah. when he's talking on the phone about money. It's it's, a, it's and he always you know it's, it's like kind of he's weird. up all night. Let's set up a little bit of the background. Oliver Stone wrote and co-wrote it yes. and directed it and directed it. He made it right after he finished Platoon. This was uh, filmed in 1987. So did he do Salvador before Platoon? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, right after he wins. The uh, award for Platoon, which is another great Oliver Stone movie. Yes. Well, I'm sure we'll do that someday. Yes, show. we'll have to. Uh, he he jumps into Wall Street with the same star, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Unusual choice. And oh, it was s- supposed to be uh, Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise wanted, was, and he ch- there was yeah, Tom, it but he had already Tom. but he had already offered it to Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. And he so said, that's why he promised right. Born on the Fourth of July to so, Tom Cruise. The the thing of Oliver Stone was he said he, a, a business movie like this hadn't been made in a while. It had probably been like 20 or 30 years before Holly, since Hollywood had done like a business movie. Yeah. It felt like he had some political capital to spend based on his success with Platoon, and he wanted to use it to, to make this script go forward. And Wall Street was a smaller movie than Platoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Not. So he does this. He gets, you know, he's, he's got Bud Fox on board with uh, Charlie Sheen. He's got a couple other co stars from Platoon. Oh, John, uh, what's McGinley. his name? McGinley, McGinley who I love. Yeah. I love. Yeah, great, him. fantastic actor. He's playing he his, his bud, his uh, yes. friend. Uh, I love him in Scrubs. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love that show. I know, me Go- too. And then, of course, the key character of Gordon Gecko, which, a little trivia, originally pitched to Richard Gere. Oh, I can see that, too. God. Thank God well, it Gear didn't go to him. Well, basically plays Ugh. a benign version of Gordon Gecko in uh, Pretty, Pretty Woman. Woman. Pretty Woman, and, yeah. And uh, Gear passed on it and later would say he regretted it, as well he should. As Well, because uh, the, Hello, Hello was a big Oscar. Yeah. Michael Douglas got the Oscar that year. To his, to his uh, credit, however, well, Richard Gere I mean, to explain it a little bit, the script hadn't really been smoothed out at the point. At that point, no. so it it didn't read as well as it did. Bad move, next, I'm sorry. Next time, it, next it's pitched to Warren Beatty. 
who also passes on it. And then finally, Michael Douglas gets it and uh, wins an Oscar Michael for it. Okay, I got I got a hot gotta, Michael Douglas hot in Wall Street, Kathy. Okay, no, not just Wall Street. I have I have a confession. I've had a thing for Michael Douglas since pretty much adolescence. Come on, pal. Tell me something I don't know. He's a bad boy. Romancing the Stone? He's yeah, I've that. had a thing since Romancing the Stone. Here's my thing with Michael Douglas. Fine actor, but when he has these scenes where he kind of melts down or loses his, his cool, his face does this weird cartoonish <laughs> thing where he looks like Linus from Peanuts. <laughs> really. Next time watch it, it's bizarre. Huh. I mean, I, I really think about it. Like, his face goes, Wait! and it's like his eyes kind of get big, and his he kind of does thing like he's having his blunt, security blanket yanked out from Aww. him. It's wow. very cartoonish. It's not like he doesn't fatal attraction to her. He's like, oh, ah. yeah. No, you're, you're just you don't agree with me. I here. don't. Still I, I'm blinded. Here's. <laughs> it's interesting you kind of say cartoon because there's a documentary that was done on the movie Wall Street and it's included on the DVD version. And on it, Michael Douglas explains kind of how he came up with the character and why it was the way it was. So let's listen to Michael explain the character to us. Because the movie was relatively sophisticated in terms of the nuances of business, that you really needed an old-fashioned villain. You know, you needed a, you know, really twirling up the corners, a really clear, strong villain, take no prisoners, unmerciful kind of guy to create the kind of drama. You needed some archetypal characters. Otherwise, I think the sophistication of the piece and the subtleties would be boring. See, now, I disagree in a sense that I don't think he's the perfect villain in this role. I actually think oh, he's quite I likable. I, well, I think that, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Kathy, he's a villain. This, don't but, even try to convince okay, well, I think yeah, he's over I'm here just, in dreamland. I'm in dreamland. You're right. I'd be like, yeah. He's yeah. got some great lines. What's but your favorite line from the movie, Steve? Him? Oh, let's see. Uh, Mixed emotions, buddy. Like Larry Wildman going off a cliff. My new Maserati. <laughs> What's your favorite line, Sean? Oh, it's my favorite line. <laughs> What's your we favorite do. line? We have Gabby. all the best favorite Which, lines. All right, my favorite line is from Bud Fox, but you go. You, okay, you okay, because yes, we both have the favorite lines for Which both one? characters. I'm like, if you need a friend, get a dog. <laughs> In the club, he In says the club, that. That's a yes. great line. And I like Bud's line when he says to his dad, there's no nobility in poverty. Yes, that's my favorite. But as I'm proof, I'm proof that there is. There is no nobility. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to say that that was my favorite gecko line. But if I had to say a favorite line, I think Hal Holbrook playing Lou Mannheim has all the best lines in this movie. All the best lines? All the best lines. He's such a contrarian. That's crap. (laughs) No, I'm not not kidding. Here, I've actually put together this little... uh, Hellbrook montage. Yes, yeah. yeah, sh- <laughs> yes, I have. Do you have some of his work as Mark Twain? Hellbrook's been riding that I actually Mark saw Twain train for about 30 years now. Man. First mistake we ever made was letting Nixon get off the gold standard. Stick to the fundamentals. That's how IBM and Hilton were built. Good things sometimes take time. Remember, there are no shortcuts. Quick buck artists come and go with every bull market, but the steady players make it through the bear markets. You're on a roll, kid. Enjoy it while it lasts, because it never does. You can't get a little bit pregnant, son. Man looks in the abyss. There's nothing staring back at him. At that moment, man finds his character, and that is what keeps him out of the abyss. The main thing about money, bud, Makes you do things you don't want to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have the Hal Holbrook montage. I also yet. really like Hal Holbrook's work in uh, Barney Miller. Oh wait, that was Hal Linden. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, you make fun of Mark Twain, but I actually I've seen him do Mark Twain <laughs> sixteen sure times. He's seen it. Didn't you? You went to go see him. Didn't you have like uh, bags of rum in your jeans <laughs> at the Mark Twain did. show? And he was vomiting in the bathroom because <laughs> he's like, dude, uh, I'm going to see Hal Holbrook. I remember I'm had, getting wasted what's, tonight. What's, what's ironic is there actually is a date story. Associated oh. with the Mark Twain, how uh, Holbrook thing, but you're not getting it. <laughs> Why not? It's just embarrassing. I had this really hot date lined up to see that show, and she bailed on me at the last second. Well, yeah, because you're taking her to see Hal Holbrook as Mark Twain. <laughs> Mark Twain. If she was that hot, you should have taken her to Metallica or something. <laughs> I had to take my sister. <laughs> oh, oh, poor Steve. No, that's okay. But uh, oh. I think um, Lou, Lou Mannheim, and my favorite line is, you know the the man stands in, stares into the abyss, and the, when the abyss looks back, that's oh, when the man that's finds his character. Yeah, that's character. a good one. That's and I'm I'm gonna disagree with you and say that the the theme of the movie is not greed is wrong. Um, it's greed is good. But I, I think it's more of and you, you, there's there's a lot of themes in this movie, and one of them, my favorite one, is more along the lines of um, you win one, you lose one, but you never give up the fight. And you see that with Bud Fox throughout the movie, where he gets beaten down. Multiple times, but still, even in the very end, when he he turns on uh, Gecko, even when Gecko's finally beaten him down, he's gotten him arrested. There's nothing Bud can do at this point, but yet he still goes out there and uh, hides a wire on him. And so basically, you're well, saying, well, we save his own skin. Basically, you're saying that Wall Street and Vision Quest are essentially <laughs> yes, the same movie. Yes, they're the same movie. Far less. Uh, well, it's like Wall Street need uh, for Vision Quest. <laughs> Wall Street is Vision Quest of the Unitard. Yes. <laughs> now, the whole speech he gives to the stockholders ah, the greed classic. for a lack of a better word is good the point is ladies and gentlemen that greed for lack of a better word is good greed is right greed works greed clarifies cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit greed in all of its forms Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Tell us all what that's actually based on. That is actually, you know. yes, I know. It's based, um, the character itself and that speech is based loosely on Ivan Bosky, and who was involved in scandals during the 80s for insider trading and he gave that speech at usc berkeley and he was basically saying greed is a good thing you shouldn't feel bad for being greedy and so the, and his quote was actually greed is right greed is right exactly greed is right and they changed it to greed is good greed is movie. good and the of course the the thing that shocked people was not that he said it so much but that all of the kids in the audience that were graduating applauded him and were so excited well, about was the, the fact 80s, that he said right? that it was, the 80s. It was the man bull market you know how important so is greed it? is good i just and gordon gecko all those g's, g's. all the alliteration greed is good yeah. greed good gordon gecko Anybody? It's a, it was a big Bueller? movie. It was the last movie I ever saw twice in a theater. Yeah. 
Wow. That's fascinating trivia. Oh, I have <laughs> no. actually. Woo. Woo. Wow. Oh, really? Mine was sex lies and videotape. But when are we going to do that podcast? Oh, um, in my, the 80s? Uh, 89, look at her, baby. Look at her lighting up. Oh, because She's my other room. favorite, James Spader. Is oh, is he's well. in this very yeah, very small, small part, big glasses, small part, but that sex lies and videotape. I felt like I got ripped off. I hate that movie. Oh, I really? The only thing I, you know, I like the beginning when Laura San Giacomo uh, is doing her dirtiness. Yeah, she's hot in that, but she's really. Oh, speaking of hot, okay. Speaking of, I, I have a hot Darryl question. Hannah. Yeah, Steve, Daryl Hannah, hot, not hot. Um, not so much in this movie. Not like hot. I'm- Ever. Ever. No. They, oh yeah, believe it or not. Come on, right up. Come on. Yay. Oh, kidding me? She's hot in uh, The Man with Let One Red Shoe. Let me see what's been on your face. I'm so excited. The, ma- the Man with One Red Shoe. She's I thought in- you were no, going to let Singer. me down. That's Laurie Singer. Shoot. No. She looks like a man in this movie. Daryl Hannah does not do it for me. No. She just doesn't. I, I just, she's, uh, the, the face, there's and she's something wrong. Ho- oh, you ready for horrible the- in this movie. Well, you want to yeah, know what's funny? She has a bad haircut in this Even Oliver Stone says she shouldn't have had the part. Wow. wow. See, what, did he sleep with her? Is that what it was? Come on. <laughs> Come on, so. Oliver, tell us. He uh, he said that Daryl Hannah, uh, it was a combination of the fact that she was a real West Coast person, could never really, kind of a hippie, oh, yeah. never really understood the role, never liked her character, didn't want to be seen as a spoiled rich girl. Um, and Stone said during the DVD uh, commentary, she shouldn't have done the, the role. He said Gwyneth Paltrow would have been a better... Uh, person to do the role, except she <laughs> was like what, seven. Yeah. <laughs> really well, I think I think that's what he had in his mind today. You know, yeah. what, what kind of person? Oh, who later went on to do a role with Michael Douglas, right? So, yeah. so there Perfect. you go. Hannah, she was good in uh, Kill Bill. She was, and yeah, she. I'll give her that. But I know guys just love her. You know, I Sean Young would have been a better role. For well, that. Funny, if Sean Young, who plays Gordon Gecko's wife, wife, when she first came on the set, she actually told people. That she was there to play the part of uh, Darian. Sean that, Young said that. Yeah, Gosh, and it was dr- and so it was driving crazy. people crazy. crazy. She is crazier than a shit house rat. She is, say. and not a single person would ever dispute that. But you know, yeah, remember James great? Woods? She'd like send all those weird oh, pictures to his mailbox. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. She, she never stopped. knew her lines for the movie. Supposedly, was always co- constantly just freelancing. Wait, but she had like five lines. Not true. Because uh, actually the running time of this movie was cut by 40, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. 40 minutes, yeah. And there was a side plot where uh, Charlie Sheen has an affair with her. Oh. A 40 minute side plot? Steve, you're like the Cliff Clavin of Amy's <laughs> trivia. <laughs> you know oh, everything. You know, no, oh, another trivia. When you see the one scene that Sean Young is in with the baby and they bring the baby to um, Michael Douglas and sits on the lap, I kept thinking... Okay, that baby doesn't look like either of them. But you and know who it does look like. strange looking with a really big round head. Oh, just like? Oliver Stone. Is that his son? Rudy his son. Stone, yes. He has actually appeared in 13 of Oliver Stone's movie. Movies. You see him again as young Jim Morrison in yes. The Doors. He, plays he never this, looks like any of his characters. He plays uh, Kevin Costner's son in JFK. Yeah. Um, he's in a couple other movies. He just graduated um, from Princeton, I believe. Wow. So, yeah. Now nice. maybe he'll go out and do some things. There's actually a lot of Oliver Stone's friends playing bit parts in this movie. Chucky. Oh, and Oliver Stone's in it, too. Yeah, oh, you see him. He's got, yeah. yeah. You, you see, see him, him um, doing one of the trades in the little montage. Speaking of the trades, interesting trivia here. All the scenes that were shot on the trading floor of the New York Stock Exchange – those are real traders that you're seeing. Oh. And that is filmed. They had 45 minutes to shoot 
on the trading floor during trading. Oh wow! So that is I actually, can't believe they that let them during, do that. That is an actual trading day, and those are actual traders that you see making those phony buys for yeah. Blue Star. You no, know, that's funny you say that because I find the trading and trading places a lot more <laughs> um, believable. Uh, yeah, well. No. Oh, there's there is one little gaffe too that um, someone was talking about earlier. Um, the McGinley character. Yeah. I don't remember uh, his name. I forget his name, too. But anyway, he was talking about when they first introduced... Marv. Marv, yeah. yes. When they first introduced the Gordon Gecko character, and they go, oh, yeah, you know, he traded stock on NASA right after the Challenger crashed. And, of course, obviously, it's sarcasm because you can't trade NASA stock. But also, ooh, Challenger hadn't exploded yet yeah. because that was 1986. Oh, and the movie's sh- supposed to be 1985. So Oliver Stone said the problem with that was they added the, because you know, in the beginning they go 1985. Well, that was added at the end. So you knew it was in the middle of the Wall Street scandals. You know what also is a big gaffe about Wall Street is the technology. Now, it wasn't <laughs> their fault at the time, but the, the, but, the movie yeah. doesn't. Eight, hasn't aged no. terribly well. It's a terrific time capsule of, uh, yeah. of oh of, totally. You know, but the oh the cell phone 80s. when he's on the, <laughs> the cell phone. It's like he's carrying. It yeah. might as well be a shoe phone. Exactly. And the robot that oh, is supposed ro- to be the height of opulence. The robot that serves martinis <laughs> is the R two D two is more advanced <laughs> I than uh, that. I mean, it's the worst looking <laughs> robot. But at the time, we're like, ooh, a robot that serves drinks. And then and the, the computers they have those keyboards that clack. You know? I, I mean. Know. <laughs> Each keyboard. I mean, these things oh, are spring loaded, and oh, I don't know, it's God. pretty funny. Nineteen eighty-five, my friends. That's the way it was. Okay, the technology here is way more sophisticated. <laughs> oh wait, we- and we have two cups with a string. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hello, Sean. But oh, uh, him me? on that cell phone that's the size of Montana. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like- I got cancer just watching it. Oh, I know it. <laughs> I know. Hey, see this? Can you believe it? It's got a two-inch screen. No, I can hardly see it. <laughs> it's for my kid, Rudy. Three years old, he's electronics freak. I tell you, we're going to a new age, pal. Check. You know, Oliver Stone gets <laughs> criticized a lot for uh, the way he treats women in his movies. Uh, well, And you yeah. see it in this movie because uh, you get Sean Young, obviously, is just your... Trophy movie. wife. Trophy wife. You got Daryl Hannah, who's probably the most materialistic character you'll ever see in an 80s movie, correct? Maybe. Close, yeah. I mean, she's just unabashed about it. Oh, totally. But uh, I'm only here for the page. Well, pretty much. Yeah, Oliver Stone. Oh, I really cared about you, bud. But oh, I'm kicking I'm you to cross, the curb when I'm you're down. Gordon. Um, Oliver Stone, you know, he's aware of this, obviously. And in, in the documentary that, once again, on the movie, he takes a few seconds to explain his theory on women in his movies. And here's what he had to say. Oh, okay. I get much criticized for my treatment of women because it isn't PC. The women in any given Sunday, the women I've done, I mean, to me, they're real. It's what I see. I reflect it. And I'm often criticized for it. But, you know, I do believe that PC is a creation of the intelligentsia. And uh, I think that Tanya Harding is probably closer to reality than Gloria Steinem, for example. (gasps) 
He's going crap. down. I cannot believe he said I mean, that. Listen, I mean, Oliver Stone's well, a talented all, guy, but he is. But obviously, he's been hanging out with some trailer trash. No, he directs, he directs movies with his schwans. You know, I mean, <laughs> exactly. he's. I mean, every movie of his he's really is I like see. is kind of. You know, I always I always tease uh, Steve about his hairy knuckled pursuit of women, but Oliver Stone is not a very graceful man or a graceful director. But there's an honesty there. Right. There's an yeah, honesty there. But I'm trying to think of his other... Yeah, he's been really harsh. I'm, wow. You know what I like about it, though? Because you turn, you turn it with uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Even though it's really fun to watch over and over again, certain scenes yeah. on, on mm-hmm. repeat. Uh, yeah, she is conniving. And I mean, boy, Yeah, Oliver, he never... Yeah. Oliver Stone has He's obviously uh, been hanging around. He dated uh, Anna Nicole Smith, I think. He, really? he took her to the Oscars. Way back when, when she was well, first. I mean, that kind of shows you where his opinion of women is. You know, if that's the way well, it is, that's okay. I mean, you, not everybody can be the uber sensitive director. I mean, we don't need three hundred of those. No, but I also don't agree with just his. Well, that's how women are, Tanya and I am Harding, right. And Tanya it's the Harding. intelligentsia that's wrong. I saw Oliver Stone actually speak at uh, USF. He came and spoke to. Uh, the class when I was University back in of South Florida and Tampa. Yes, sorry, University of South Florida and Tampa, and uh, he's crazy. Is he? He is. He's, he's, pra- he's really paranoid. He really is. It was oh, around yeah, the time of uh, uh, Nixon, I think. You know what I love though? I love his cameo in uh, the movie Dave, where they're interviewing him, and he's dead on about the theory that the president's been replaced. Oh, yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah. I think he's he's got the courage to make fun of himself, and I like that a lot. Hey, let's talk for a second. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't have <laughs> he the courage. Steve, to make fun. Steve is an Oliver Stone apologist. He Get him, Kathy. Me, yeah, uh, he he said Tanya Harding was the time, norm. Let me tell you, no, he, said he does not no, take not criticism well. And if anyone was asking questions, he'd get all pissed off at him and like, you just don't know that I'm the best thing that's ever walked the earth. Ouch. I mean, I think he's Ooh, good, but well. Tanya Harding's closer to women than, it, then, than Gloria Steinem. Steinem. I don't know. Okay, I don't think so. Maybe in his role. But yeah. You know what scene, this is going to sound really bizarre, but the scene where, where I should have said before when uh, Oliver Stone's baby is in that scene, <laughs> Michael Douglas has to lick his, his fingers, finger. lick the strawberry yeah. off his fingers, and Oliver Stone's such a head case, lick my kid's fingers, lick them. Ki- oh, and, and the Douglas kid had already like, picked oh, his nose right before. Oh, Jesus, Michael Douglas. And I'm like, if I ever Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas I'm going to ask him about that. And say, you know what? I'm glad you won the Oscar because you had to lick Oliver lick Stone's, Stone's kid's baby's booger. booger. Ouch. <laughs> Hello. Uh, can, I turn, can I turn the direction for a second? Okay, what? I just want <laughs> Although I can't get the booger out of my head now. Well. Literally since Sean's sitting across from me. Can't get it out of my head. Uh, the, let's talk about the music for a second. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I know when we opened up with Walt with uh, "Fly Me to the Moon," Sean was over there doing his little gag impression. You know, no, I love. Or he actually may have been trying to get rid of some poison drink before whoa, the show. Whoa, whoa. I love Sinatra. The- I just Sinatra. don't understand why he he used this song. I don't know why he echoes it in the mi- in the you know. I mean, Oliver Stone has a lot of devices in this movie: the light and the dark and all that stuff. But "Fly Me to the Moon" is that supposed to be like the moon is the pinnacle of the. The top of the money. No, yeah. I think he's I just. Think so. I think he's trying to with the with the credits and the way he frames the beginning of the movie. I think he's trying to go for a classic New York feel for this for the movie and set a tone of uh, tradition and you know uh, class. I think is what he's going for. Hmm. Which no one has in that movie, really. I mean, 
It is. Well, some of the char- the older characters, yes. The younger yeah. characters, no. Are you saying Lou Manheim? Hal Holbrook doesn't have class, Kathy? Steve will slap you. <laughs> he loves you. See yourself as a Lou Manheim, don't you, Steve? No, he but does. it's funny because I, you know, this movie I am came your out. Obi-Wan. I, was, I was still in college when this movie Come came out. Come to the dark side, Luke. And I remember seeing it. Wait, you were in college when this came out? Yeah, yeah, I was still in was grammar a, school, yeah. <laughs> sophomore in high school. Yeah, I was like, I was at Spears. You're like old man winner. But uh, I remember thinking. This is the first time I'd ever really seen the world of the stockbrokers and all that kind of stuff and the fast oh, yeah. cash and all that kind of stuff. I, well, admit, I was a little seduced by that. I thought oh, for a second about... You weren't about, the only one. People were like flocking to this. Do you guys own stock? Programs. Do you guys own stock? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I own stock in Sparrow. Remember Sparrow, the pizza joint <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, in yeah. all the malls? I bought. Dumb. I swear to God, I bought stock in Sparrow through my dad. Uh, when they started popping up everywhere, and I made enough money to buy myself a used rabbit, like a car. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a good see? story. I didn't see that yeah. coming. I, I didn't see that coming. I did. Either. I made. Uh, I didn't make a ton of money on it, but yeah. But, hey. I don't know if I was influenced by Wall Street or what. But. I was so influenced by it that I actually took a job interview with a uh, a brokerage company, even though I was a journalist major at the really? time. Wow, yeah. Spears. Well, it was one of those things where you know you're going, you know, you're at the job board in, in college and. In the late 80s, as, as it is today, or a bad time for newspapers in terms of jobs, and there was just one up there saying, you know, journalism majors, yes, we want you to come and talk to us oh. about opportunities in Why? the Why? Uh, we know nothing field. about anything. I know. <laughs> so I went to it because it was really just an opportunity to, you know, sort of fine-tune the interview skills. And I sat down with a guy, and it was at some really, you know, ritzy hotel in town. Did you bring you know? him a box of Cuban cigars? No, I didn't. <laughs> Should have. That, that, Called that's him 59 Day Street. But, uh... He starts asking me these questions like, what kind of car do you drive? I'm like, uh, Toyota Corolla. He's like, what kind of car do you want to drive? I'm like, uh, uh, a newer Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. I but feel better the first, if I drive a Toyota the first, Corolla. The first right 10 now. questions out of his mouth were all like that. I'm like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And right then I was kind of turned off. I was like, eh, it's obviously not about the work. It's about he the money. He thinks he it's was like playing money. a part. That guy yeah. thought he yeah. was cats me out. And it, it, he called me on the phone a couple of times afterwards, and I finally told him, like, I'm not interested. But. You know, as far as a, a movie wa- uh, uh, wanting me to make money or a movie, you know, seduce me as, into that lifestyle, uh, I, I was probably more influenced by Risky Business than <laughs> <laughs> Wall Street. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You, you wanted to become a... Uh, Pimp or yeah. night shift pimps? <laughs> yeah, night, <laughs> night shift. So, oh, so we haven't even talked about the whole. Well, Charlie Sheen in this role. I hear um, drinking heavily during the filming of this, which yeah. might explain why he actually looked hungover. All the time. Yeah, Oliver Stone did say that that um, that he had really gone overboard. That he was, you know, enjoying the fame of Platoon a little too much. Uh, and I'm talking yeah. about Charlie Sheen, not Oliver Stone. Now, Charlie. Unfortunately, did not understand the privilege it was to make a film and be a star. At that point, he was too young. Now he does. He's probably going to become a hell of an actor. But at that point, he was a little spoiled because Platoon went to his head a bit. It all it went to my head too. And I think that here he partied too hard in New York. And I think that he wasn't completely paying attention. I was criticized for it. But I went with it in the same way that I went with Daryl Hannah, saying that this was a boy who was a little bit zombied out by what he saw, that he didn't want to make any mistakes. So he was like nobody. He was Mr. Neutral. Yeah, this is when he started uh, the whole Heidi Fleiss thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was this this probably the highlight of his career? Because I don't think it goes anywhere after this for the most part for Charlie Sheen. I mean, Platoon and Wall Street, and that's it. I mean, as far as respectable roles. Hot Shots. 
Hot, uh, shots. hot shots part two. Yeah. Part <laughs> I don't two. think so. But then, and then of course, his dad in the movie. Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen, yeah. I think he does a pretty good job. I think he does, too. The, when the two of them together is The nice. scene when Michael Douglas yes. licks Martin Sheen's fingers is just... I, I know, that, that was really, I was a little uncomfortable that with. Was, yeah, but. that was a bit much. No, but the scene when them, when he leaves and he chases him down in the elevator and... Oh, what drives Martin me nuts? And I, I know this isn't this isn't a major point, but since we're since we're talking about the movie, we're never going to talk about it again. I presume. What drives me nuts is he accuses his dad of never being there for him. I know. I'm like, dude, forty five minutes ago, you were sucking up to your dad in the bar, asking him for two hundred bucks. Exactly. Yeah. When like, is he never? I mean, you obviously he's know he's been, there, been for there for him the whole time. And it, he does the same sh- the same uh, spiel with uh, Gecko, where he says, you know, all I'm asking for, Gordon, and I've never asked you for anything. And I'm thinking, dude, forty five minutes well, ago, you were in the club the with going begging him for a second chance. Yeah. I'm like, he's not. A, he's not overall a very appealing character. And I guess, you know, and he's okay. supposed to sort of—I mean, he is supposed to be the protagonist, right? But well, who are you supposed to sympathize with ultimately in this movie? But I think so. Ultimately, but I don't necessarily know that I do. It doesn't. I mean, interesting... the only reason he puts a wire on on Gecko is because I... he wants to get out of prison. Well, strangely right. enough, I sympathize with the uh, the robot making martinis. <laughs> I sympathize with Sean Young <laughs> because Let... her entire role is on the cutting room floor, which. Ironically, that year at the Oscars, they asked her to present Best Editing Award. <laughs> yeah, yeah wow, that's I great. Read that. Ouch. The movie presents a couple questions. And I'm going to ask you each one of them. Okay. I know which one I'm going to ask uh, each one of you. <laughs> Is life, Kathy, oh, a, a zero-sum game? If someone wins, must someone lose? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I don't think so. I don't think so. In this I think movie, we all yeah. win it stuck in the 80s. We all win it stuck in the 80s, yes. <laughs> and, and Sean, your question, is money better than sex? No way. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't know you've I never had, had money. <laughs> hey, anyway, we're going to wrap it up with a song that uh, we, we enjoy so much f- during the uh, movie Wall Street from Talking Heads. This, is, uh, this must be the place. Naive melody. So until next time, we remain here firmly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. The show is engineered by Dave Morrison. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Use my Chet thing already. That was, that was totally off the cuff. I know that we was great. Again. We can still call him Chet though. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, we'll call him Chet. But see, as a it's like a Easter egg, we'll see if people yep. pick it up.